No crying. There's no crying in baseball. card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 18 of Terrace Talk. And we got a full house today, boys. We got the entire gang back together here um, as we kind of uh, go over, digest, analyze um, a successful uh, 10, 11 days of Brewers baseball. Fellas, how we uh, how we doing? What's going on, fellas? Uh, it's been a bit since we've kind of all been back together, so this feels really nice. Raring to go. I finally got over yesterday's loss. I'm back. The Brewers are back. We're playing good ball. The offense is waking up. It's time to roll, baby. Yeah, I'm over my uh, one podcast suspension from that weekend when we were falling apart. I uh, was starting to lose it mentally. It was starting to keep me up at night, so I put myself on a weekend suspension. I didn't watch a single pitch of that red series last weekend as well as not on the podcast, but I'm feeling refreshed. seems like the boys are feeling refreshed. We're uh, starting to win some baseball games in a stretch where ultimately we have to be really good with the teams we play. So uh, hoping the boys can continue what they've started since we've uh, kind of acquired Adamus. So glad to be back. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, last pod I had to, uh, Go solo. I gave my take on the Willie Adamas trade. Um, anyone that follows me personally on Twitter um, knows my feelings on the trade. Absolutely love the guy, the energy that he brings. Um, kind of been a spark plug for this eight and three run since we got him with uh, a handful of really clutch, timely, um, awesome moments that he's already provided in a, in a Brewers uniform has been pretty electric so far. So um, nothing but positive things to say on my end. Um, did want to, uh, you know, we lose our guy, JP, uh, lose another piece in Drew Rasmussen, who has the potential to be a closer down the line um, to, to pick up our shortstop here. Um, so early returns um, on the trade, I guess, what are your takes um, and Mitch, Mitch L, why don't we start with you, um, kind of explain your thought process on the night of the trade and, uh, maybe how it's changed a little bit over the last, uh, couple weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny. It seems like there's like a misconception in my, uh, some of my other buddies always give me crap too, because they think I'm like anti-Adamus, but the day that we had traded for him, I think I quote tweeted and I just said like LMFAO or something like that. And everyone thought it was more so of like me, like, oh, we acquired another shortstop that can't hit and stuff like that. And I think 
my frustration and it's something that I just need to personally get over to. And it was just more so of like, it's kind of like a big no, no for me or what you can do for fans is how you tie yourself to certain players. And then when a, you know, a team moves on from that player, you just kind of always have a salty taste. So I am for, as you guys know, one of the biggest Trent Grisham fans uh, there possibly can be. Um, I actually just got his Padres Jersey. Um, but that was more of where my frustration was. Cause it was like, I think I had, put so much in my mind that I wanted Urias to be good. Um, and it just kind of felt like, and I know they're using him as a utility role and they said they weren't giving up on him. And it seems like this is actually really working for him, but the inevitability is, is they, they missed on that. And it's apparent that, you know, they had expected Urias to be their guy at short for years to come. And it's apparent that it's not, and now it's Adamus. And after the first week, it's really worked out and, you know, we'll dive in. And I know some of you guys have some good stats on Adamus away from the trop and the struggles there. Um, but the one thing I want to point out about this trade is that the energy level on the team has completely changed. And I know we've had huge energy guys in the past, Arcia, Hernan, they've always been, you know, like the fun, you know, energetic guys. And Adamus has that too. But the difference between that is Adamus is an elite hitter, especially away from the trop. So it's been awesome to see uh, the team kind of rally around him. Obviously, Avi and him are really close. Um, so it's just been apparent that the offense has a different juice um, since last Saturday. So all in all, the way this has started, it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the trade kind of was a shock. I mean, at least it was to me. I kind of looked at it when I saw it pop up on Twitter. I was like, huh, that's just a very interesting um, trade. As I mean, we kind of rely on our bullpen. We've been relying on JP a ton and Rasmussen a lot lately he's been really he was really good towards the end of or before he got traded um definitely excited um for Willie he's off to a great start um he's been over uh in Milwaukee for 11 games he's got two bombs posting a 145 WRC plus and he's almost worth half a win already so I mean it's pretty impressive um kind of been a spark plug like you said Mitch um the ball of energy they started doing that um like jump air Jordan high five after bombs um, kind of bring the team closer a little bit. Um, just excited. Just, just a nice, exciting player for us to have. Yeah, man, his, uh, his numbers away from the trap. So, I mean, obviously you can't just discount the half of the major league games that he played at Tropicana. Um, Cause those numbers still count. Uh, but now, uh, since he'll never really play there again, maybe a handful of times during his tenure as a Brewer, um, he's career 292 hitter away from home, um, mostly as a Ray um, with, uh, with an 856 OPS, 130 WRC plus. Um, so really an advanced bat at a premium position as a 25-year-old with uh, – with four years of controllability um, since even the last pod dropped uh, after his first big moment as a brewer. Um, I think he had four hits uh, that who, who were we playing that game? That was the Padres day game, the Thursday yeah. day game. Padres day game. He hit a big go ahead home run, four hits, um, smacking the ball around the yard. And Hodricourt had a man on a quote basically saying that he loves the fans here and wants to be here for a long, long time. And uh, if you want the, the key to my heart as a Milwaukee athlete, a good Milwaukee athlete, um, that's just music to my ears. 
Um, so I, I tweeted, I was like, Bill, start building this man, the statue already. <laughs> I mean, and also a part of me, it's like, we've sat through, I mean, granted when we were in middle school, we had JJ Hardy for those handful of years who was a plus shortstop. Like you would consider him above average. Uh, we had a year of Gene, a year and a half of like Gene Segura. Uh, but we've basically been stuck in the Alcides Escobar, uh, Jonathan Villar, um, Orlando Arcia phase for the last six, seven years. And it's just refreshing to have, have a good player right now, but also dream on uh, what he, what he could be here. And, you know, this year and the following years um, as a 25 year old, uh, pretty solid player. Yeah. And one thing we have to give a quick shout out to, our guy Orlando, because he always is has a special spots in our hearts. He's been absolutely killing it for Gwinnett, uh, for the Braves AAA. I'd like to see him get a shot because Dansby's been struggling. Um, but yeah, just one other point on that trade. Um, I think it's going to be one of those trades where it's going to work out for both teams. Obviously, we have we've gotten the more primary position because I think relievers have a short shelf life, especially guys like JP and I, I mean Drew still could turn it, but like JP's been around the league for quite a bit, and I know he's having a really good year this year. Um, and to the Rays' defense, they are really good at um, you know just kind of getting relievers into spots where they succeed. So I think you'll see over the next couple of years that this trade is going to work out for both teams because it's like from Tampa Bay's perspective, they kind of had their hands tied too, unless they planned on moving Adamas. I mean, they have the best prospect in baseball. That's a shortstop. So it's, I wonder if that had something to do with it too, where Adamas kind of felt like every at bat, he was, you know, under more of a microscope because he knew, you know, his time was limited with Wander coming up. Um, so I really feel like this trade is just, it was, even though it was a shock because it was a pretty big time trade very early in the year, like these are not common at all. It was something that probably needed to be done for both teams, both uh, essentially playoff contending teams. Um, that's going to benefit both of them, not only this year, but, you know, for, for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, JP has closed down a handful of games for the Rays um, since going over there. Um, you know, it, it hurts us in the meantime with bridging the gap to our back end. Um, and we can get more into that throughout the podcast here, but a couple other quick notes on Willie Adamas. So uh, before the Brewers acquired him, he wasn't having a, wasn't really having a great year. He still had good defensive measurables. Um, but even with that being said, there's a few things that stick out on his baseball savant page. Um, so even with the, the down start, um, he's still 82nd percentile and barrel percentage, 78th and exit velocity. And he's pretty fast. I mean, he's in the 79th percentile for sprint speed. Um, so he's only got 13 career stolen bases. Maybe that's something he starts doing more often, but the, the tools are most definitely there. He looks like a massive shortstop compared to guys that we've had before. Uh, six foot, 210 pounds. Um, he's, he's a pretty physical guy. So all in all, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So, and uh, got, got the boost to the, the team that was much needed after a pretty abysmal start to May, they ended up uh, salvaging that month to avoid disaster essentially with how well Chicago and St. Louis are both playing. Cool. Well, uh, right now, like I said, so Brewers are in third place. Um, Cubs just swept the Padres. They're sitting at 32 and 23. 
Uh, Cardinals are 31 and 24 and the Brewers are 29 and 26. Um, so seven and three in their last 10, things are trending upward. They have a big opportunity this next uh, four game set over this wraparound weekend uh, with the D-backs. So uh, we got them at home and it could be time to uh, push pedal to the metal and kind of catch up to those guys. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about yesterday. Um, so our guy, uh, our guy, Eric Lauer. Um, so another aspect of that, uh, the botched Trent Grisham, Zach Davies trade, um, we kind of were getting some positive results before, before this blow up yesterday. And it just looked like he reverted to his like spring training mechanics. And Mitch, I think you were there and you just said, you're like, none of the, none of the release points and mechanics were repeated whatsoever. So what were your takeaways from his outing yesterday? It literally, it literally looked like I was watching a high school pitcher just kind of out there that he was just pretty much throwing it as hard as he could that, you know, one time he'd fall off to the left, one time he would stay there. And it got to the point where I think even it caught the attention of council and the athletic trainer because they went out there thinking it was an injury because he just couldn't find the strike zone but it just literally looked like he was lost and we had saw that quite a bit last year too with him um it was it's frustrating because it's like you kind of thought maybe he was taking a turn he talked about making some mechanical changes and that was why you were thinking hey maybe we're getting some better results because he had pitched pretty decent in san diego um so it seemed like he reverted back to what we saw last year so that's a bit um disheartening I would say but the interesting thing I think from that was why they decided to then go to Hauser because I know there was a chance that he was going to pitch tomorrow um, or why I don't know when he pitched last if he could have went today or, or kind of how that came about but it was just like um, them going to Hauser after Lauer essentially put us in a massive hole that was just almost impossible to dig out of was was interesting um, it was good to see the bats fight back but when you give up seven runs to um, arguably the worst offense in baseball. I think they're actually worse than us um, in three innings. Uh, it's just, it's disheartening. Yeah. He only threw two. So he gave up, you know, seven hits, seven runs, seven earned runs and three home runs. And his ERA almost rose to five. Oh, yeah. um, so. That was Richards that pitched in the third that had given up another home run. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was uh, pretty brutal all the way around, uh, for, for Lauer. And it's interesting because I think, uh, Stearns on the broadcast, um, you know, rock and levering kind of asked him like how they're going to manage the starting rotations pitch inning numbers by the end of the year. Um, with the shortened season and some of the guys being younger, first time going 162. And he mentioned that they're going to try to use this six man rotation um, as much as possible just to keep those guys, you know, accumulative numbers down. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know. This didn't really uh, give anyone a vote of confidence with Lauer being that six person on the weeks that we do decide to do that. Right. And the, the thing about that is too, especially when you have two guys, I mean, you could say three with Freddie, but it's like, if that then impacts the amount of innings that Woodruff and Burns are getting, 
you just think about it as the season plays out. If we end up for some reason were to miss a game or two or miss the playoffs by a game or two, and it was because we ended up going to a six man rotation a couple of times and essentially just gave away some games. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, they gave yesterday's game away, but if they're going to continue to roll out a guy like Eric Lauer that struggles just to like save innings or arms that causes you to miss playoffs, that's a bit frustrating, especially when you have two Cy Young candidates uh, that have been in the big leagues for a while, have now shown extended success. You kind of want them out there every fifth day when their spot comes up. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And I you could definitely say that it, if Hauser starts that game yesterday, um, that that's uh, that's a game that we win. I mean, I would I would put a lot of money on that. Because <laughs> right, he what, went four innings and just made one mistake to Brewers Killer. Yeah, he went uh, he went five innings and only Good gave up one run, struck out six. I mean, it was a, it was a essentially a good start, uh, middle relief appearance from Hauser that really saved us for this. You know, everyone starting fresh this upcoming series after the day off. Um, so yeah, Hauser looked really good. Um, he looked really good in his last start, uh, this week too, um, against San Diego. So that was good. He had a, he had a down week and I, uh, I was kind of chirping him a little bit on the solo pod that I did with, after a couple rough outings, but he really turned it around and looks to be, uh, like a steady force in the rotation. But yeah, man, if we're going six, a six man rotation, who knows? I mean, Lauer's been okay besides that you know, a handful of starts, but I just don't feel confident that he's going to give you a consistent chance to win every night. Right. If we're doing this early in the year and you have a chance to get hot, then yeah, but it's just like, it's hard for me, especially with June. Uh, We have so many winnable games that I want us to just get into a consistent rhythm. And, you know, it's, if Lauer is going to go out and give performances like that against a team like Detroit, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Obviously, we're going to need more guys than Woodruff and Burns to step up, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm – sorry. I think I'm kind of on the fence with, like, the six-man rotation right now um, versus the five-man. I mean, I really think it's going to pay off late in the year um, when you have fresh Corbin, fresh Woody, fresh Freddie. Um, I mean, I'm not sure when they're going to go – when they go back to the five-game or five-man rotation. Um, I don't know if that's, like – late August or in August. Like, it seems to be like a, a thing that's like in flux, like that are just like kind of taking it week by week, classic Brewers fashion, uh, the run prevention unit. I think they just kind of gear it up like as they go, right? Yeah. I mean, they haven't, they haven't like clearly said like now we're in six, now we're in five. It just kind of seems like everything's completely in flux at all times. Seems like yeah. the MLB. Oh, sorry, Buzz. Go ahead. That's all right. Yeah, no, our starters are never like announced. It's always yeah. TBD. We have TBDs in every, literally every series. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say, and that's very rare. Yeah, man. And then last uh, last note on yesterday's game on the pitching front, um, and I know both of you are very passionate about this, as am I, but you you two more so. Um, <laughs> when when are we gonna DFA Eric Yardley? I mean, that was, uh, that was like, uh, like if you threw me out there at this second type of performance where I have zero idea where the ball is going, um, kind of reminded me of my last college outing when I was hung over his balls, uh, <laughs> just literally had zero chance to throw strikes. I mean, he was all over the place. So 
Um, what what do you guys got on on Eric Yardley still just being terrible? Yeah, no, I said I said in the group text yesterday that I was tired of him, um, <laughs> and then proceeded to get his shit rocked. I mean, this is that was before his inning, but uh, he gave up man. one hit, but he walked three guys in one inning. <clears throat> Especially late in the game, you can't. He, yeah, it was two. He walked the first two he faced, and you just can't do that. Especially right, Tyrone hits that yeah. big bomb in the eighth. Yeah, the, and then boys we put, were buzzing. We put some pressure on him in the ninth a little bit, uh, but it would have been uh, a lot higher stakes if he if we have someone in there that can be competent. So it's uh, it sucks because he was mentioned somehow. He was mentioned in the group of pitchers that they trust um, when Stearns was asked about how we're going to replace Rasmussen and uh, JP. And I mean, holy shit, if we don't get Aaron Ashby or make a move to get a veteran in at, at sometime soon, I mean, the, the fifth through seventh innings bullpen wise is just going to be an adventure. It's wild how much they trust him for pitching well for essentially what, two months of last year. And yeah. how kind of like they look at him as like a staple guy in the bullpen. He, he never had a good track record. He pitched well in a season where it was apparent that all hitters were just kind of off with everything that was going on. And now he becomes essentially a trusted guy in the bullpen. I don't trust him. I don't know if too many fans do. So I don't know if it's just like trying to pump confidence in him. But yeah, it's like that part of the trade is kind of like sticking out right now. It's the sore thumb is like, you know, we acquired Adamus, who's been awesome, but it's like the two pieces we gave up are also being like missed right now in a sense too. Yeah. I mean, it left a, left a hole in middle relief for sure. Um, I, I kind of trust Stearns to act quicker. Um, and I have more confidence after he made that move for Adamus. I mean, I, literally people were tweeting like, make a move, make a move. I was one of them and did not expect anything till the trade deadline. And he pulled it like mid-May. So hopefully, I mean, relief pitching ultimately doesn't cost all that much. And we have Aaron Ashby at the, the precipice of getting up here. So um, a couple minor moves along with Ashby getting promoted and we could be even better than before. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he acts sooner rather than later with that. Yeah, I think, and I've been pretty open about this in our text, but for our listeners, uh, Ian Kennedy is a name to watch. He's the Rangers closer right now. He's uh, older and he's 36, but he's having a really good year for Texas. He's closing for them. Um, He's on a one-year deal. So it's like a two-month, three-month rental for a 36-year-old reliever that's having a good year this year is going to cost nothing more than a flyer prospect or two. Um, so in Texas is, is pretty much out of the race at this point. I think they're 10 games under 500 and, you know, in a tough division. So I don't see them being competitive. They're trying to trade Joey Gallo too. So I think, uh, Ian Kennedy is a name to watch. And like you said, um, this, our bullpen struggling, I feel like needs to push up the timeline on Ashby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's pitched well as of late, um, down on the farm and, uh, we'll probably have a segment later in the show with a, a handful more updates with what's going on down there. Um, but at the plate yesterday, um, some positive things. We had uh, Colton Wong hit a leadoff bomb, hit two of them that night, absolutely crushed a couple balls. Um, and then uh, boss, your guy calls up from AAA um, and within a two hour span, doubled Christian Yelich's home run count. 
for the season. Um, <laughs> so it was a pleasure to see uh, T-Rat, who went down to AAA and absolutely killed it, and then came back up and produced right away, um, which uh, we haven't quite seen with, uh, with Keston. And we'll have a whole segment on that in the second half of the show. Uh, but uh, would you, I mean, Bus, you had to be uh, enjoying the performance from your guy last night. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he swings so hard every time. And when he hits the barrel, the ball just fucking flies. Um, <clears throat> that kind of little, that, what, was he in AAA for like, what, seven or 10 days, somewhere around there? He was like, like a player a, of the week. Yeah, yeah, it was AAA player of the week. Yeah, he posted like a 2000 OPS um, and just was just hitting fucking bombs. So, I mean, I think he kind of got in his head when he was up there or up for that like beginning part of May. Um, kind of struggled a little bit, went back down, figured it out. I mean, I think he's going to be a valuable player, man, this year. Yeah, and his overall numbers, I mean, after that game, he's now – he's hit five home runs this year. Like, almost a third of his hits are home runs. Like, even after – he went through, like, a, a three-and-a-half-week, like, dry spell a little bit um, when he was seeing a little bit consistent playing time. But his OPS is still close to 800 um, after yesterday, so – uh, with how poorly JBJ has been playing and with unfortunately Lorenzo Kane uh, coming up with uh, another leg injury on Sunday. Um, it's uh, I think we're going to see a lot of our guy, uh, Mr. T-Rat. So it shouldn't be anything less than a platoon at this point. Cause I think to be honest, I, I don't know if this will be Lowe's last um, IL stint. He's just kind of, you know, getting to that point in his career where he's going to see the injured list a lot. Um, so at this point, I was, I, I think before that, if we were healthy, I thought Tyrone Taylor would have been a, a trade candidate that teams were to try to pull away from us as we're acquiring pieces. But at this point, I don't think you can move them, um, especially knowing Lowe's injury history, because now you have your platoon and center between JBJ playing against right-handed pitching and Taylor playing against left-handed pitching for center field. And then Avi and, and Christian in the corner spot. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been awesome. Um, they talked about it. They talk about it all the time. I feel like our team more so than me about us leveraging all 40 guys on the 40 man um, and guys like Taylor have stepped up and given us huge at bats. So um, I expect that to continue. Yeah, so those were the highlights from yesterday and uh, Colton Wong hit two bombs yesterday, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think I mentioned that. Maybe I didn't. Um, but yeah, Colton swing the bat. I mean, he's just been a constant this this whole year, basically. Besides the like the second week of the season when he was down for ten days, basically since he returned from that stint, um, he's been. I mean, maybe our most consistent player up there with Abisail, um and Yeah, I mean, you'd think Colton Wong maybe uh, already he's he's a one point four war player if he's not in the 10 day il he might be close to a two war player already this year and i think his best oh, yeah. year in st louis his best year in st louis it was like a three one so he's kind of on pace to pass that um which is pretty awesome to see dude and this has been a thing like and it's it's so obvious like keston Hira needs to be better and honestly uh is is not the answer right now but the way colton wong swing the bat avi like T-Rat, we got Adamus now. I mean, man, this kind of is a segue into a, uh, the, the next topic real quick, but it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm going to say it on the pod. I'm going to be brave right now. Um, it's been a struggle watching Christian Yelich try to play baseball this year. He, he is a shell of himself. 
He, he truly is. And, and we, we kind of talked about it <laughs> just going back and forth via text. Like when, when do we start becoming critical of, uh, of what he's doing? But man, I don't think he's came up with a big clutch hit all year long. Um, and he looks overmatched by good pitching and he has that one home run, which happened in garbage time on a three Oh pitch at Cincinnati. And it's like, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough subject, but do you guys, ha- are you more hopeful than I am? Uh, either of you guys that will, will see Christian Yelich um, of old anytime soon. I, I personally think he's fine. Um, I mean, he's not producing right now, but his timing just seems so fucked up right now. I don't know if <clears throat> if he's just like anxious up there. I mean, he's been taking a ton of walks. Um, I think teams are still kind of afraid to pitch to him. Um, I think late yeah. in the game, like the sixth inning, they wanted nothing to do with him. They just pitched right around him. It was pretty obvious, but I don't know. I think once he gets his timing back, um, I mean, I think he's kind of over his back injury right now and he's, can kind of put that on the back burner and just forget about it. So he knows he knows his back's going to hold up. And I think he's just got to get his timing back. Yeah. He, you mentioned his walks. He has the highest on base percentage on the team at 386. but obviously we didn't pay him $230 million to be a guy that works walks and just kind of gets on and doesn't have a high OPS. He is our guy to be essentially the three hitter in the lineup, driving runs in, hitting the ball out of the park. And we haven't seen that for now uh, almost close to a calendar year. Uh, I know last year we kind of, you know, bring up the fluke year and stuff like that. But um, I don't, I I think it's a bit hard too, because we have, I think all of us have some unrealistic expectations as to thinking that, hey, you know, the Christian Yelich that we saw in 2018, 2019, is that the guy we're going to have for the next five, six years before he kind of hits past the peak of his career? And I don't know if that's fair, but also at the same time, like I said, we gave him $230 million. We didn't give him that money to be essentially a on-base percentage guy. He's the guy that needs to have the 950 plus OPS and, you know, the guy in our lineup that everyone's afraid to pitch to because he's hitting a ball off Pato's shatterproof glass. Yeah, I mean, that would be a, that would be a welcome sight right now, man. And it's kind of crazy looking at his baseball savant page, his max exit velocity percentage uh, is at the 95th percentile, which I don't know, it doesn't really match up with the, with the eye test. But what I did want to point out is I was just looking at his numbers and basically, and maybe I like knew uh, Luis Yuris's numbers um, like in the back of my head, but I was looking at Yelich's and I was like, are these Urias's numbers? And they essentially, uh, let me pull this up. Urias has a 722 OPS and Yelich has a 720 OPS. And their averages are similar. Uh, Urias isn't walking quite as much, um, but he's walking quite a bit. And like you said, um, we didn't pay $230 million for Christian Yelich to be Luis Urias at the plate. Right. It's Um, interesting. Christian's numbers, if if any of you listeners have time, go in and dig into his baseball savant page and some of his like advanced analytics because – Yelich's BAP right now is 415. And that means that essentially if he's putting the ball in play, he's getting a base hit. He's not hitting it over the fence, but a 415 BAP is 
unsustainable. So that means either yeah. two things, either he's going to get even worse because his BAP is just really lucky, or he figures out his strikeout problem, which you would hope he does because he's still an elite hitter and those OPS numbers and the, the, you know, distance kind of comes back, but it's like for the balls he's been putting in play, he's been getting lucky and maybe it has something to do with that exit velocity, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. he's striking out a 34% clip, which is, I believe a lot. Second, second highest on the team behind uh question. So yeah, that's, it's tough. Yeah, man. And the, the silver lining is the max exit velocities there and whatever is sore with his back, it, doesn't affect him running because his sprint speed is 88th percentile and watching him run from first to home on Avi's double last night. I mean, he looked like prime Yelich, you know, a perfect base running path route around the bases um, per usual. His sprint speed is like 29 miles per hour. Some crazy shit they showed with StatCast. Um, so it's just, it's really strange because there's, there's like hints of optimism but there's also there's also some things you can look at and start to have some pessimism creeping in, um, which kind of which I kind of started doing last night when uh, their closer Soto struck him out to end the game and another clutch situation where, I mean it's not easy facing left left throwing a hundred. Don't get me wrong, um, but I just haven't we haven't had that vintage Yelich moment this year that. I think we're all craving. Yeah. We've, we've continued to just like expect him to break out of it. Um, and he just hasn't yet. So it's like every time he goes two for four, like two for five, like after that Sunday in Cincy where he, I think he doubled and he hit that monster bomb. It was like, okay, here we go. Yep. (laughs) The next three days happen. You're like, Oh, he's sitting the next day. And then, coming off the bench and goes one for five with the bloop single. I don't know. I don't know. I need, maybe I just need to pucker up, uh, cheer up a little bit with, uh, with him and know that it's a long game. Uh, I think concerns are valid. What'd you say? I said, I think the concerns are valid. Um, you expect them to break out of it, but it, it is concerning. I mean, I think where it's, what's kind of bothering like most of the fan bases because then none of the other guys are really hitting either. I mean, so it's kind of like we're just pressing on Christian. Christian has to do this. Christian has to do that. The whole team, I mean, is not – they're like, what, 28th in OPS right now team-wise. I know it's been a little bit better as of late. Um, it's just tough to watch your star player struggle with their whole team, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, but then again, MVP Yelich really transforms this uh, offense or even an all-star Yelich, um, which – well, we need our guy. So, all right, we'll be uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back here. All right, boys, real quick before we start uh, recapping the rest of the games, um, I did want to highlight Avi Garcia here. Uh, Mini Miggy uh, having himself an awesome year. Uh, basically, basically since the pod about a month ago, once Christian and Locaine returned on the same night and we thought we had two healthy guys there. Uh, we kind of mentioned, you know, it might make sense to float his name around at trade talks. And at this point, uh, I don't know if that would be the best, uh, best thing to do because he, he's putting up some pretty gaudy power numbers. Um, he's already got 10 home runs. Um, his OPS is getting closer to 800. Um, and he's on like a 30 home run pace, um, right now. 
so I just wanted to, to point out, if you go to his baseball savant page, there's a lot of red. Um, so the tools are definitely there and showing up for him. Um, he's 90 sprint speed, 84 hard hit percentage, 85 X slug, 86 max exit velocity, 83 average exit velocity. He's barreling balls, 75 um, expecting batting average 75th percentile. So there's, there's a ton of red on Avi's page. So, I mean, he's, he's a physical presence at six, four, two fifty. um, and his hot spring, um, you know, he had that, a uh, little lull, uh, for most of April, uh, but he has really turned on and, uh, been a, a key contributor for us offensively this year. So shout out him. I don't know if you guys have any more on him, but just wanted to uh, to pull that up and mention Avi there. Yeah, the one thing I do want to mention about him is that OPS and other numbers would be a lot higher um, if it wasn't for how brutal of an April that he had because he posted a 914 OPS in the entire month of May. Um, his K percentage is way down. It's down to like 20%, which is really low for him. Um, yeah, he's been he's been essentially outside of, like you said, I mean, outside of maybe – uh, Colton and Omar he's probably been at least our most exciting hitter to watch I mean he hits the ball super hard and it's yeah. kind of like that young Miggy kind of comes from he hit one yesterday um, an absolute frozen rope that double that Christian scored on from first and like I was sitting down the left field line and I literally thought like a gunshot went off that's how loud it was when it hit that barrel I mean it was just it was off the wall within like two seconds it felt like um, so it'd be nice if we get kind of that, that's the Avi that, um, the team was kind of expecting to see when they signed him. Right. They always talk about, talked about his potential and how he's like this like massive physical freak, um, that has like the pop and all that stuff. And what you saw the last month is essentially what the team was hoping that they were getting uh, for three years worth of him. So, um, yeah, he, he's going to be playing a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, so so shout out Avi. Hopefully that continues. Uh, it's pretty nice we have him under contract for next year um, as the the low cane contract kind of dwindles away, and um, who knows what happens if we even pick up Jackie Bradley Jr.'s option for next year um, that with how poor he's been playing. So um, it's nice to have uh, Avi locked up at least for this year and next. Um, okay, so Monday, Labor Day, Brewers win on a walk-off, three to two. Um, Corbin Burns shoves per usual, um, six innings pitch, one earned run, seven strikeouts. His ERA is at 2.24. Unfortunately, couldn't get the, the win um, after Adamas had a clutch two-run shot to take the lead in the seventh. Um, Garrett Richards, uh, Adamas's teammate in Tampa Bay, promptly comes in, gives up a home run himself to tie the game at two uh, before our bullpen suitor, hater, box burger, shut it down. And Urias um, scores in Keston. Keston bunted over a runner um, and Urias hit a ground rule double to win that game. Um, so I guess, do you guys have any takeaways? Uh, pretty quiet at the plate. I guess our guy, uh, Travis, was the only guy with a multi-hit game. Um, obviously the big moment in this one was Willie's go ahead home run in the seventh inning, which, uh, another electric moment that he provided, uh, early on in this Brewers tenure. Yeah, man, the dude's got a ton of opposite field power. He hit that, like where lefty pull hitters, um, 
hit those balls into right field in, in Milwaukee. It's like halfway up the bleachers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Urias was clutch late. I mean, that ball that he hit uh, over the right fielder's head was like out of the other, uh, out of the left-handers batter's box. I mean, putting the bat on the ball, baby, good things happen when you put the bat on the ball. Yeah. It was like a 97 mile per hour fastball, like eight inches outside <laughs> threw his bat head out on it carried over the outfielder's head. Pretty cool moment for him. First career walk off. Um, and I was, uh, I was surprised. I mean, this sounds bad, but you don't hear some of these guys talk often. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, Cause he's from Mexico, right? He, he spoke pretty, I mean, his English is pretty good after the game. I thought Sophia was going to have to go to the, uh, the Spanish there for the Spanish brewers, but um, it was good to see him in front of the crowd, comfortable speaking, speaking English. So Props to uh, props to Luis. I'm not sure if you guys picked up on that at all because yeah. I've never really heard him talk. Yeah, I haven't, he seems like he's just like has like a very reserved personality, which is which is fine. We have a lot of those those personalities, so we have a good mix on our team, which I feel like the clubhouse gels with. But yeah, he just has such a positive energy to him too, and like it could be easy for a young player to get down, especially with the airs that he had. But like he's always like Christian posted that video with him that Christians are doing those videos after like walk offs and stuff, and he was just smiling and he just kept making it about the team and stuff like that so it just kind of goes to that energy that seems like to be changing like seems like the guys are having fun again so that was awesome to see one, th- one thing i did notice that i kind of want to touch on um remember like when omar like or not omar uh orlando would like make it out or throw someone out and he kind of like lift his hat and kind of like half put it on his head i didn't realize that like every dominican baseball player does that after like a player like just like a ground out, like Miguel Cabrera was doing it. Adamas does it all the time. Urias yeah. does it every time. I want to look that up and kind of see like if that has like a meaning or like where that came from. Cause I just noticed that and it's pretty yeah. interesting. Just some, just some flair, dude. Just making the game fun. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Not, I mean, pretty quiet offensively. Like I said, uh, nothing crazy. Um, so yeah, just another classic, well-pitched, well-fought game. Um, the Tigers threw like eight different arms, uh, Josh Hader, another scoreless inning. Um, he's, we were, we were talking pre-pod here. Um, he's on the leaderboards for pitcher war as a reliever, um, at number 30 overall. Um, so he's, he's proving himself to be a top notch reliever that we expected. It was good to see Boxberger. Um, Boxberger had some electric stuff on Monday. Um, was watching the game with my brother and he he was <laughs> and he's more of a casual fan so when he like when he makes a comment it sticks out to me and he was like holy shit I didn't know Boxberger threw 96 with that kind of off-speed stuff and I was like yeah typically it's not usually that but uh he was he was pretty impressive on Monday we're gonna need him to pitch like that too um especially with the other bullpen problems we kind of need a guy to step up and be the consistent seventh inning guy so hopefully box can be that guy yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to need that, uh, no doubt. Um, real quick, we'll kind of go through the rest of the week. Uh, really fun weekend for Milwaukee sports, really, um, between the, the Brewers sweep and the Bucks sweep. Um, and we had a tweet from our, our Terrace Talk account um, that uh, the Brewers are undefeated during Bucks playoff games. Um, so everyone Saturday hit up that Milwaukee parlay. Um, with the Bucks probably going to be underdog, so I might get a little bit more juice on that one um, with the D-backs and then the uh, the Nets. So 
I've uh, I've thankfully done that three times and been pretty profitable with those uh, Milwaukee parlays. So <laughs> shout out Brewers and Bucks there. Um, but Sunday, man, um, matchup of aces, Woody Scherzer and uh, Woody Shove. He's a National League player of the week. I think he threw 14 scoreless innings on Sunday through seven scoreless with 10 strikeouts, lowered his ERA to 1.27. Um, so another funny moment pre-podcast here we're talking like you know what what do we need to touch on and admittedly didn't even think twice about Brandon Woodruff that's just how consistently incredible he's been uh, thankfully Mitch uh, mentioned uh, we should probably talk about the, the National League Player of the Week here so you guys have anything more on him I mean how much more can we say he's uh, he's kind of put himself in the Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom territory of aces, in my opinion. Yeah. The biggest thing I want to touch on about him, and it was something that we had talked about before the, se- before the season started, that if there was one question mark about Woodruff or the one thing he needed to do to take himself from that kind of next tier pitcher to get himself into the conversation with where he's at was pitching deeper into games. And it seems like Woodruff is learning a lot about himself that he doesn't always, I mean, he's still getting the strikeout numbers, but he doesn't need to consistently make the strikeout pitch. And what I mean by that is if he's feeling like he's in an at bat where he's getting a guy on bad swings, he's still putting the ball in spots where guys will put it in play, but it's a lot of soft contact. Like if you look at his baseball savant page, he hasn't been getting any hard contact at all, which is allowing earlier count outs for him to go deeper in games because that was always his knock in the past. He was, he's been an elite arm, but he's only been going in the past, you know, the five innings because his pitch count got out of control. He's now over the last couple of starts been into the seventh and eighth inning, which is what you want out of your A's. Yeah, man. He said that in an interview. I don't even remember who it was. I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember who interviewed him, but he said that was kind of the knock on himself that he would kind of wouldn't be able to get out of like the fifth um, in the sixth in the, in the past. Um, and he's just kind of trusting his stuff now, um, just going right at guys. Right. It's interesting too, because it's like, we live in a day and age where it's all about the strikeout, right? Every pitcher is pitching for a strikeout and Woodruff still does, but it seems like he's starting to learn that hitters don't get good swings on him regardless. Like he just, he mixes it up so well. He's just, his baseball IQ is so high where he's starting to really dissect hitters. So he's almost not in a sense pitching to contact, but knowing when hitters are vulnerable that they can put the ball in play on soft contact, which is allowing his pitch count to stay down and him to go deeper in games, which is, you know, like you said, what you want. Yeah, no one's no one's getting good looks on him, man. Um, expected slug, 90th percentile. His ex-WOBA, 95th percentile. Um, the the advanced analytics match up with the the actual numbers is expected ERA 95th percentile um, truly an elite arm and I, I listened to a CBS fantasy baseball podcast and um, they they basically kind of compared him like a a juiced up like way better Lance Lynn just in the fact that they both use their fastball at such a high percentage compared to other pitchers that it's kind of astonishing how good he is with basically pound. I mean, he, he throws an okay slider, okay. Curveball mixes in a change up every now and then, but he's throwing his fastball majority of the time compared to most um, and just overpowering people really. Yeah. And they aren't even hitting him all that well in his last one, two, three, four, five starts. He's given up 20 hits 
in five starts. That's just incredible numbers. Yeah, man. He's, uh, he's been awesome. And more on Sunday. I mean, Avi gets that two run bomb in the first inning off Scherzer and it's all the Brewers needed. We're really quiet after that. Uh, Mad Max did his thing. Woody did his thing. Uh, not much, uh, not much going on other than uh, a really good pitching duel on that, uh, that Sunday game. Future Brewer trade deadline target, Max Scherzer, that is. Yeah, man, that's interesting because you would think, uh, I know he's a franchise icon, World Series title there, uh, but, dude, they would be smart to, uh, if they don't plan on getting him long-term, they would be smart to get a premier prospect for him for a half season. Right. But, yeah, how, could you imagine that if we snuck into the playoffs with with uh, Woody, Burns, and Scherzer? I mean, and, and Freddie as your four. Yeah. Otherwise, you can just use Freddie out of the pen for a couple innings if you needed to. Dude, yeah. give me give me Psycho Mad Max coming in every game in relief and then start the fifth day, the game five. <laughs> give me that. Boss wants to get Max Scherzer to be a reliever. He can be our uh, he can be our fifth and sixth inning guy. No, he's no, no, no. He's gonna start and then he's gonna come out of the pen. <laughs> no, I was just laughing. That'd be that'd be electric though. Can you imagine him just being our long reliever for a half season? <laughs> you, go from, you go from Burns or Burns or Woodruff to Scherzer for a couple innings to D. Will yeah. the hater. <laughs> Fellas, I think we're onto something, man. <laughs> yeah, I think we just cracked the code. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And then Saturday we got rained out. Friday swept a doubleheader. Um, so the second game of the doubleheader we win six to two. Um, Brett Anderson started. I mean. This was just a prototypical Brett Anderson start, it seemed. I mean, he went three and a third, gave up one run, uh, two runs, one earned. Um, very average per usual. Um, our bullpen shut him down the rest of the way. Uh, Boxberger and Suter have both been good uh, since the trade. Uh, Devin Williams had a solid day on Saturday. Um, and then even, even Yardley threw a scoreless inning on the second game of that doubleheader. Um, at the plate, Colton Wong, three hits. Um, Adamas had two. Lorenzo Cain, uh, this was uh, a three-hit game, and he's had a couple of these too, just like Yelich, where you think that something's going to click, and uh, it just doesn't. And unfortunately for Cain, he got hurt a couple days later. Um, so we didn't even get a chance to see if it would turn into anything. Uh, Urias too. I mean, really good offensive day. Urias had three hits, um, really got some confidence. And this brings us to the, uh, the third base discussion real quick. Um, our guy, mayor of Ding Dong City, Travis Shaw, been struggling as of late. His average has crept below the Mendoza line. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more Luis, Travis platoon there at third base. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I kind of like it. It's uh, it's competent enough for, for me there. Yeah. I mean, Travis, like I forgot, kind of forgot he was on our team, to be honest. He, he came up to, pin, he, he came up to pinch hit the other year last night. And I was like, fuck, Travis is still alive. Cause it's been all uh, Urias and Adamas. I mean, it's been working. I mean, what we're 10 and two or eight and two in our last 12 games or so. Um, I don't know. I think we got to get Travis going, um, especially against right-handed hitters and they can kind of platoon that with Urias. I don't, I don't know, man. It's just, I want him to be good so bad. 
I think that's the thing. We're kind of emotionally tied to them. Yeah, and then it just seems like when they the teams put on a massive shift on him, it it's a lot harder for him to get hits compared to Urias. Urias can put can slap the ball in play somewhere, bunt for a hit here and there. Um, has that speed to kind of rely on to get out of slumps. And if Travis isn't smoking a ball through that little hole <laughs> between like, second base and first, or hitting balls off the wall or over the wall. Uh, his, I don't think his average is ever going to be what it was in 2017. Um, I mean, that's not a hot take by me by any means, but, uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. Um, personally, if, if we're playing like a must win game or series, I would, I would much rather have Urias out there playing third base than, than Travis right now. It only takes so many ground roll over ground balls to second base in one season. And I think I've met my limit. <laughs> Maybe Jay's yeah. better too. And his, yeah, like you said, we, I mean, we're, I mean, I got his bobblehead right here, boys. Look at this thing bobble. <laughs> I, I want him to, I want him to do well. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Obviously, I'm the leader of the Travis uh, guy, and I'm always going to be tweeting the photo, and I love him, and I'm always going to roll with him. But I will say this. If we are to acquire a bat at the deadline or an impact bat, it's going to be at third base, and it's probably going to be a left-handed third baseman which means they will probably DFA Travis. And that breaks my heart to say it, but that's just the position that we're kind of lacking at now. That's the one area, well, outside of first base, and we'll get in, uh -huh. I think, questions our next discussion. But uh, that seems like the spot that if we were to add an impact bat, it's going to be at third or first. Yeah, and I would rather have Travis than Vogelbach. Um, and Travis's versatility would maybe be, maybe keep him on the roster um, instead of bogey. So who knows? That's something that will, will come down the line if we do acquire a much needed bat on the corner. Um, and then <laughs> the first game on Saturday, man, Freddie Peralta just keeps on rolling and uh, he's, he's been awesome, dude. He's five and one now with the 2.38 ERA. He threw seven innings, gave up one run, seven strikeouts. Um, he's 20th overall in F war. Um, mentioned it like the last handful of pods. He just kind of stuck in that, that 20 range, which don't get me wrong, the perfect spot for him to be in. That's about all we can ask for with, uh, with him, but he's still so young and has so much, I think more potential. And so it's, it's awesome, man. And David, David Stearns is on the, uh, on the podcast. I wish he was on the podcast on the broadcast yesterday, kind of talking about, um, his continual improvement since we got him as a 19-year-old for Adam Lind in that trade with the Mariners, which is hilarious to look back on. Mm -hmm. um, but just how he keeps on getting better, and he's just such a fun guy to root for. So shout out, Freddie, um, another guy that, you know, any other week, we're just kind of expected it from him. Um, you know, last year, if he had an outing like this, it would probably lead the podcast. Uh, this year, it's just kind of ho-hum, Freddie shoved again. So Shout out, Freddie. I mean, I feel like this is a common trend in every pod that we do. Um, it's, oh, Corbin did his thing. Oh, Woody shoved again. Oh, there's Fre Freddie, another another yeah. 10K performance. I feel like we're so close, just a couple small pieces away, man, from kind of putting this thing together. Um, once yeah. we get Yelich going, man, I don't know. I wouldn't want to fuck. I would not want to play this team in a shortened series late in the year. Most win games when you have three top arms I can go. I mean, man, 
yeah. couple pieces. Yeah, just like you said, I mean, the the huge thing would just be winning that division, avoiding the the one game wild card. But I mean, if we're if we're playing one game, I I feel pretty good about what are you facing. I don't know, Blake's not Blake Snell because he sucked. Um, whoever's Padres number one right now, you Darvish, give me Brandon Woodruff all day every day. Um, but yeah, getting the Padres, they came in smoking hot against us, and uh, to get a series split against them was uh, was pretty good. Um, the Willie Adams game Thursday to close it out. Uh, unreal performance by him four hits four rbi the go-ahead home run he had a double home run um some sparkling defensive plays that was kind of his uh his welcome to milwaukee moment that day uh but not to be forgotten shout out mitchell here uh hauser indeed started this game uh before richards got his tits licked again <laughs> but hauser this is when he went five innings pitched only gave up one hit one walk, four strikeouts, and uh, pretty impressive outing against a, a stacked Padres lineup. Pep God, Pep God. No, yeah, he's he's uh he's just one of those guys that we're gonna ride with. He's gonna have a couple starts where you're gonna get frustrated, and then he'll kind of get it back because I mean he is reliant on uh, you know the ball just finding our uh, infield because he gets a lot of ground balls. Um, it felt like even last night his trouble that he did get into, and he didn't get into much trouble. Uh, yes, or last night, it was just like, it always feels like his bad innings are always started by like one walk and then someone has a broken bat single that ends up in the infield and then he gives up the one big hit or something like that. So um, I love Hauser being our four um, and there's not too many fours out there that you would rather have than Hauser. Yeah, the dude's got a ton of movement. I mean, I know I mentioned this a couple times, but I feel like every time he's out there, he gets more um, of that like kind of downward um, in on a righty sink every every time out and he's I feel like he's getting more confident at throwing inside um isn't that, uh, and, isn't that an old baseball adage like guys that throw a sinker like that like as the season goes on and as they wear down a little bit they get more effective <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel like I've heard that many times yeah. <laughs> I feel they, like I've, <laughs> they stop overthrowing it and they kind of just let them the gravity take control of it he made Tatis look foolish a couple times that 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 game Mm-hmm. I feel like Rock has said that a bunch too. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just Bill uh, just engraving fake news into my mind, but I've I've heard that a handful of times from him for sure. One thing I don't need, one pitcher I don't need to see any more of is uh, Brewers fantasy camp pitcher Trevor Richards. <laughs> every time there's, He's every it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He, it's been a rough go. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt but he, he's nothing more than middle relief. And like you, like you said, I don't know if you said it in this podcast or in, you've definitely said it in group chats, but we don't need to see him in one run games anymore. No, he belongs pitching in the third inning in multiple runs. At this point, just give me, I'll take Raptor over him and shout out Brent Suter. I mean, every time we write him off, he, he has a handful of good outings. And like I said, he's been good, dude. He threw another scoreless inning in this game. Um, Here's a guy, <laughs> we, we got into a little scuffle, I think, where we're Saturday night, Sunday, one of the two national games, uh, about Devin Williams. Uh, but he had a rough outing this game against the Padres, one inning, three hits, two runs, two earned. Um, and I, I had the audacity, hand up here, hand up everyone, safe zone. I had the audacity to text 
Devin Williams is bad. <laughs> and I'll admit, I got a little carried away. Devin Williams is not bad. Um, I've just been frustrated watching his command this year, man. It, you, he'll have an outing where he strikes out three. He'll throw a couple of airbenders that get clipped by Pitching Ninja. You think he's back. And then he literally just, I don't think he has any idea where his pitches are going still. Zero. And he, he got a late start in spring, um, so we'll see. Uh, but this definitely is not – I mean, and we can't expect what we saw last year, but this is not the same guy that we, we had last year right now. Yeah, Bus was quick to uh, to model. back. <laughs> yeah, Bus was, I'll let Bus handle it because Bus was not having it. Bus, what yeah. you, yeah, give it back to me, Bus. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I wish I could go back and read my text to you, but I think I prompt I promptly texted back and said like, take it back, like 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 come on, come on, man, or something like that. Okay. You know, you get you got to have guys that bring you back. I know you guys brought me back plenty of times. Um, I mean, it's a roller coaster. He dude, Devin just has to pound the zone, man. His stuff's so good. He's ninety five, ninety six with that sick changeup. I mean, he just gets behind and counts, and then he get and then he gets hurt. I mean, yeah, I just feel like his fastball velocity is not where it was. And I don't know. I don't know. And then he was tired and wasn't even available out of the pen on Monday. Um, and they didn't even mention if he was even available on Tuesday. Uh, but I don't know. I think there's something there. Um, something uh, the Hanson eye test, not, something something's not going well there. I don't know. I, I still don't mind him as an eighth inning guy. Every every bullpen has their flaws and. He's still electric, especially when he's on. Uh, but yeah, I nowhere near as confident as uh, as the sixty game season when he won Rookie of the Year. That's for sure. I don't know. He posted an Instagram story of him drinking coffee in the park today, so I think he's all right. <laughs> yeah, always count on a uh, bus for the Instagram Instagram stories. Oh man. Uh, frustrating game on Wednesday, and we can go through these. Uh, pretty quickly uh they lost this one two to one um paddock threw six innings against us we really got nothing going lauer actually threw the ball well um but yeah only mustered up five hits um only one double um and then eric lauer was actually the uh the brewer that hit a home run um which was pretty wild um so yeah we won the trade boys lauer went deep on paddock so <laughs> It was a piss missile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, dude. And then Brewers live with like Tim Dillard and Dario, and they start bragging about how like we're who needs the DH? We got the Milwaukee pitchers. It's like, fuck. yeah, I can't. I, I couldn't roll my eyes any harder when that's a pregame show topic. Larry's <laughs> <laughs> all about calling out the spotlight guys that are just taking one for a team. He's a big Josh Lindblom guy for taking. Uh, those couple innings when he was giving up 10 runs, but we needed someone to step up. So. Oh, man. Uh, that's an all-time tweet. We need to have that resurface here. That is – that's hilarious. Oh, man. Um, then, yeah, uh, Tuesday was kind of a weird game. Corbin Burns wasn't exactly sharp. Didn't really get hit whatsoever, but his, uh, his four walks really killed him. Um and then, yeah, the Padres beat us seven to one. Don't really have more on that. Just an uncharacteristic outing from Corbin with the walks there. 
uh, Monday. So this was part of Woody winning uh, NL Player of the Week as a pitcher. Uh, he started the week off with seven shutout innings against a Padres team that I think was on like winning 11 of 13 games, struck out eight and seven scoreless. Um, yeah, uh, we already talked about him. Unreal, unreal. Uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, Colton Wong went two for five, two for four. Manny had a big home run in this game. Um, so you guys have any other uh, comments on that Padre series? I think we've kind of uh, gone through enough. Yeah, I know we have a couple other topics we want to touch on too with uh, some time, some limited time left. So nothing else really. A good split. Yeah, yeah. It was good to get to Blake Snell. I don't like Blake Snell for some reason. He just kind of pisses me off the way he looks and talks and thinks he's like the man. I saw him bitching about his MLB The Show rating um, on Twitch. He just kind of seems like a penis to me. So it was good to uh, it was good to shell him. He walked a bunch of dudes. Gave up five runs and three and two thirds. So that, that just, that one felt good. I don't know. I just have it out for Blake Snell for some reason. <laughs> um, all right. Keston Hira still sucks, guys. He's still really bad at hitting baseballs. And at this point, it's got to be all mental because he went down to AAA. He ranked just like T-Rat. Haven't got the same results. Not even close to what T-Rat did in one game since uh, Keston's been up. What's, what do the Brewers even do right now? I feel like we're caught, like caught right now. Uh, I mean, obviously it looked like he was ready to come back and he was fucking raking in AAA and now he's back up. I don't know if they're going to keep playing this game where they're going to send him down for two weeks. He's going to dominate and then they're going to bring him back and he's going to suck. Um, I feel like they just have to ride it out right now. Um, I, was, I was scrolling through Twitter earlier and, Rick Sweet just said uh, he's the manager of the um, AAA club, and he just said that Kesson isn't swinging at strikes and he's not swinging at good pitches. Um, so I think that's kind of just what he has to work on is hitting good pitch. I mean, he's getting some good pitches, but he's just following them off. Um, whereas in the beginning of the year, he was completely missing them. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I think something's coming here, and Adam McKelvey just had a, a big write-up that I just pulled up now, but – Craig Council uh, didn't really mince his words after the game yesterday, um, quote unquote here. Uh, unfortunately, it's the opposite of Tyrone, referring to the outfielder who was also sent down amid an unproductive stretch and returned Tuesday to hit a pair of home runs. They both went down there, had some success. Keston's hot streak down there has absolutely not translated up here. We've got to evaluate it. There's no question. He has not had a good night since he's been back. We really need production from that spot. That's the bottom line. Um, so uh, the, the line that he says he has not had a single good night since he's been back. I don't know. Is it Zach Green season for, uh, for first base right now? I th that seems like the only in-house solution for a semi-productive first baseman right now. And yeah. Zach, Zach Green still kind of strikes out a lot too, so I don't – I don't know. I mean, I've been saying free Zach Green for a little bit, but I think, boss, I think you're under us. I mean, Keston Hero literally, I, you could go up there and do what Keston Hero is doing. He is striking <laughs> out every single time. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I just don't know. There's, I'm almost to the point where you send him to AAA for the rest of the year. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because he's just going to, 
I, is this good for his confidence? I know sending him down to AAA for an extended time, maybe it probably isn't good either way, but we're kind of sitting on each end of the double-edged sword here. Yeah, we're just caught, man. I, I don't know. I'm hoping this dude fucking figures it out. I mean, he can hit he can hit the shit out of the baseball. It's just, I don't know if it's a mental thing where it's, I can't hit big league pitching or what it is. Yeah, Dr. Zachary gets a shot. I mean, he's got, he's had a con, over a consistent thousand OPS in AAA for the first month of the year. Yeah. Uh, unless maybe that's the spot that we acquire a first baseman bat at the deadline, CJ Crone. Uh, Trey would be nice from the Orioles. Um, I'm sure there's other options out there. I'm just not thinking off the head, but maybe for the next month, they roll with Zach Green and Vogelbach. But yeah, I mean, I don't trust Vogelbach either. I mean, I know he's giving better uh, bats than Keston, but yeah, exactly. He sucks too. I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if you guys listened to Solo Pod. I, I was chirping Bogey too. I'm sick of seeing Bogey up there. It was, it was cute to see the big fat guy up there, like the typical Milwaukee Brewer for a little bit, had He's like right. a couple good games. I'm, I don't want to see him either. I'm sick of him. Uh, quite frankly, I'm sick of Travis Shaw and I'm sick of Keston Hira. And I'm ready to try out Zach Green. I'm ready for any sort of solution at first base. Uh, call up Weston Wilson, Lucas Ursag, who's like pitching now. I don't care. I want to, I need someone else that's not going to strike out 75% of the time they're at the plate. That's <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Is that <laughs> I, I'm sick of it, dude. Every single time. Uh, it gets to a point I feel for the guy. I do feel for him. He's going through personal issues uh, with his mom and whatnot on a much heavier subject there. Uh, but uh, it gets to a point where you're a professional baseball player and you, and you have to get, have any sort of results or it's time to go in a different direction. That's just the way it is. All right. I've got a hot take this week. If Kesson doesn't get sent down, he's going to have the best week out of all of our hitters. Stamp, <laughs> I, stamp, stamp that shit right now. Oh man. You, you, you would win a lot of money if there was odds on that. I still have a little Keston hope, believe it or not. I know you almost named your kid Keston. That would have been a real bummer after this season. My 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 odd take was that he's gonna hit 40 home runs this year. <laughs> I think there's a 50 thrown out in one of the tweets, to be honest. I think so. <laughs> just gotta just gotta get hot. It, was the, gotta get it hot. was the first spring training game. He hit a ball like 500 feet in his first at bat. Uh, <sighs> Those were good times. Good times. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, Mitch, who do we have down on the farm putting up some numbers? Yeah, real quick. I know we only got some limited time here yet. So um, big thing, Garrett Mitchell's back playing for the T-Rats. Get out, get to a T-Rat game. He hit a bomb today, um, was absolutely fucking crushed. Um, Aaron Ashby and Ethan Small are absolutely dealing in AAA. Small had 11 strikeouts over the weekend, five innings. I think he gave up one hit. Um, Ashby's strikeout rate has been Absolutely incredible as well. Um, we touched on Zach Green, who we may see within the next couple of weeks. And another big note, which I don't think we've really seen extended success from him yet. I mean, he's obviously had the defensive side. Um, Bryce Terang has really been killing it the second half of May. Um, he's climbed his average over 100 points. He's starting to drive the ball. Um, that OPS is starting to climb closer to, to 800. So um, it's good to see uh, one of our top prospects that hasn't really shown success at the plate since he's kind of gotten drafted out of high school um, at the professional level starting to hit. So um, a, a lot of noise from our big name prospects, that being Terang, Small, Ashby, Ooh. Garrett Mitchell. Um, so it's awesome to see. 
Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, boys, uh, it was fun. Kesson here are going to have a massive week according to bus, book it, and let's cook. Let's cook. Nobody on the road, nobody on the beach. Feel it in the air, the summer's out of reach. Empty lake, empty streets, the sun goes down. Oh,